Welcome to the Men Are The Prize podcast. This is a safe space for men just like you to be open, vulnerable, and emotional. Every week, a new case study steps out of his comfort zone to discuss masculinity. Using the prize mantra, we discuss important aspects of being a man. This is the who, what, where, when, and how of manhood. Welcome to Men Are the Prize of Podcast. I'm Harvey. I'm your host. How are you? How's the week? How's life? How's that? How's your soul? Your sanity? How's family? How's everything around you? You feeling good? Are you feeling not so good? It's okay. It happens. It's life. How we handle it is the most important part. You know how we talk about it here. We're here to maintain, deal with the good and the bad. Another great guest. And I'll get into how I know this man and how I'm gonna know more about him and how you're probably gonna hear more about him and other people that I'm associated with. But this is gonna be a fun interview. The guest this week is Chris Rubio. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, man, how are you? I'm great, thank you very much. I love a good bio, always makes me excited to pull out that sheet, get a look at this and read about somebody. President of Rubio, long snapping, where I've been, where I've had over 1,000 long snappers go to college and the NFL. One of the founders of the Patrick Manelli Award for top college long snapper in the country. I have been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Los Angeles Times, NFL Films, Deadspin, the Washington Post, and Sports Illustrated. Before that, he was a sixth grade history teacher in the Los Angeles area. I was asked to do the Rubio method since I have an uncanny ability to get people to learn something without them realizing they are learning something. And I am loving the Rubio method is a lighthearted and funny show on men's health, men's mental health and the journey it takes us on. I like that. That's a nice bio. Somebody's checking in on you. Oh, let me check on the Rubio method. Let's say I didn't have a chance to check this bio out. I caught you on that street, that bright yellow hoodie. I'm like, who is that dude? I got like 10 seconds. Tell me about you. Give me the quick, give me the quick shot. Who are you? We just met each other. First 10 seconds, I would say, how's it going, man? I'm Rubio. Uh, Chris Rubio, just call me Rubio. Even my wife calls me Rubio. No one calls me Chris. So if you call me Chris, I'm not even going to respond. So I'll come out as rude. <laughs> I'm just a guy looking for a good time. I love my friends and my family. I happen to be a private football coach and I host a TV show. Sounds good. Sounds like life is active and busy for you. Which very, is always very good. active. That's what's up. That's what's up. Okay. Quick bit of information I get to everybody listening here. Um, it's important to me. This podcast is for men being comfortable speaking. So I have men on here. So you hear it so that you normalize it. But understand I am just a man who speaks. I can't diagnose. I'm not trained in these things. What I am is a vessel. You can come in here and listen to men talk about the stuff they've been through and how they handled it. I love a good story but I love men talking more because that's the point. We don't hold in what's hurting us. We let it out. We're better for it. When we hold it in, we become toxic and we don't like that. Word. We don't do toxicity. here. We're here to be open and vulnerable. And with that said, let's get into this. If you are um, a new listener, thanks for giving me an opportunity. If you aren't a new listener, you know what I'm doing. This podcast is called Men Are The Prize. Prize is my favorite word. I take the letters from the word prize and four of those letters represent characteristics that I think make a good man. Let's start with P. The word is purpose, defined as reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Rubio, what's your purpose? Ah, uh, let's see here. I would say my purpose is to help people achieve their greatness not just my long snappers, but just like you said, men in general. And if I have, like you said, if you're a, if I'm a vessel where people can just listen and have a good time and learn from it, so be it. Um, and definitely with my family as well. I have three boys and it's one of those, I know it's almost a cliche, but you want to leave the world a better place than when you got there. And mm -hmm. I didn't have a, a very good or even a relationship with my father. So it's one of those things that it's kind of weird becoming a dad because all of a sudden, boom, it's there. 
you know, it being the kid. And then mm -hmm. it's, there's no instruction manual. And I remember with my first child getting home from the hospital and just, you're sitting there. You're like, okay, what the hell do I do now? And it's so weird to think, okay, you're literally in control of this thing, this kid, and you have to kind of go and make it better than you had it, make it better than you are, better than you were in order to make other people better along the way as well. You always want to leave something more to your family, to your friends. And that's what I try to do with my business. And that's what I try to do with my, my family as well. So my purpose would just probably be getting people to be better, no matter what they're doing. And if they're ha around me having a good time and I'm cracking jokes and telling stories and being funny. Okay. So that I'm going to leave them in a better place. Cool. How long have you known that was your, um, your purpose? Good question. I would say this is going to be weird. I, I would almost say since about third grade, just because I remember in third grade, I was in Mr. Nash's class. He was my third grade teacher at Badillo Elementary School out in L.A. And I remember he was teaching something. This was a good teacher, too. He was teaching something to a kid that I had next to me. God, I remember his name, too. It was Damian Bushnell. I don't know how the hell I just remember that. But I remember him teaching him something. And I remember sitting back. I was sitting in the back left corner thinking, I could teach him better than this right now. I, like he's not conveying the message correctly. And I remember right then is when I knew I was going to be a teacher. So I was about eight years old. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to be a teacher when I grow up. And so I actually did become a sixth grade history teacher, branched off of that, started teaching people the art of long snapping and football. And now I'm basically teaching about men's mental health and just kind of communicating and going through life. So it's been, it's been a long, long time. Do you have that one teacher? Everybody has that teacher that maybe they truly enjoyed learning in a positive light. Sounds like the teacher you just mentioned probably wasn't the best. So do you have a teacher for you where you like, you learned a lot from them aside from the educational stuff, maybe life? Do you have that one person? I don't, but I, here's the reason why. I like to pick and choose things off of bad and good. So I have a lot of teachers that were bad. Mr. Nash was actually a pretty decent teacher. That was just one bad part that he had. So I think he's okay. passed away at this point, but Mr. Nash was solid. Um, okay. But it was one of those things where I would look at bad teachers and then think to myself, he's doing this wrong. She's doing this incorrectly. They're doing this wrong. But then I, and so I'd put it into like, I'm going to build this perfect teacher. So we're not going to get any of that crap in there. And then I would look to the good teachers and go, man, I love the way this dude did this. Or I love the way she did that. And then I would try to mold it into one. So, you know, I had Mr. Schlitt, uh, God, Mr. Queen, a lot of male teachers. Uh, who did I have? Uh, uh, Mr. Lopez, Mr. Stefanik was one of my favorite teachers. Um, so I always try to look, and I do the same thing with everyone, everything. You can have your bad parts, but I'm always going to kind of look at the good parts. But also if you have a good part, I'm going to look at the bad part as well. So I can kind of keep you in the middle ground because no one's perfect and no one's, no one's, you know, no one's the best and no one's the worst. I mean, if you are, it's, it's kind of amazing at that point. So I, I would say not to just one, but yes to many. Okay, that's good. That's good. I want to go back because you were talking about becoming a father. And I th that's something that I think the majority of the listeners can kind of relate to. When you watch, I mean, you were in the, were you in the room when you kid, kid came to the world? Were you there? Yeah, yeah. I was in the, the room. And I, it's one of those things that I always tell guys, probably it's good to be in the room. I don't know if you need to be on the Southern region, but it's one of those things that I always say, <laughs> if dudes had to have kids, there'd be like four kids on the planet. Everyone would have dogs because I saw what they go through. And I'm like, Oh hell no, this is not happening. Like, no, there's not even a chance, man. And so I always say if dudes had to have kids, there'd be like five. There'd oh, be like five goodness. kids. We wouldn't be able to keep them. Oh no, hell no. I'd be like, no, man, I'm not doing that. And then once you do it once, that's the worst <laughs> thing is like, once you do it once, then people go back and do it again. I'm like, what are you thinking? That, that can't be good. <laughs> you see your first kid come into the world, it's it, and it's cliche. You know, you see this kid come into the world, oh my God, immediately I love this child, blah, blah, blah. For you, did you feel an immediate shift? And you said it when you went home, how do I deal with this thing? But watching this child come into the world, was there an immediate shift of, oh my, I'm grown up now. Like, I'm a man now because I have a child come into the world. Did you feel, were you the one guy walking into the hospital, but a different one leaving in terms of your masculinity as a man? Oh, 100%. I mean, you have to. I mean, the whole extreme amazingness of it 
just because, you know, kid in stomach, kid out of stomach within like bone time and then kid to here. And you're like, what, what the hell just happened? And it's like, someone just gave you the ticket to adulthood and you are just looking at like, is this okay? Now what? Like I said earlier, like, what, what do I do now? And they're like, you just do it. And then I used to, I, I tell a lot of my younger long snappers that are having kids at this point, cause I've been doing it for so long there, you're becoming adults and having kids and they get nervous and they go, Ruby, do you have any advice? And I always say, you're not the first person to have a kid. You're not going to be the last one to have a kid. There's been people a lot dumber than you that have raised good kids. You'll be fine, man. Just kind of go with the flow. And it it, it did. It, it gave me one of those things of, holy crap, this is like, I'm, I'm a real human being. Because you, you grow up, growing up, and you graduate high school, and then I went to college, and then you become, you get a job, and then you're like paying bills, and you have insurance, and you think you're an adult, you get married, and then you have a kid, and it's like, okay, what's what's left? You know, it's, and I know you have a lot to live for in life, but it's like, you, you've checked all the boxes of adulthood, graduated high school, graduated college. If you want to got a job, you know, paying insurance, like an adult, you know, I can rent a car cause I'm over 25, got married. And now I got a kid. It's like, Holy crap. This is, this is kind of like you get thrown in the fire. Very, very, very quick. Very true. Very true. Um, you've got, you kind of mentioned, I guess, the relationship or maybe lack of with dad, with your father growing up, would you mind getting into what kind of relationship you had? Yeah, not a problem. So my parents were married when I was born and then they got divorced at nine, when I was nine months old. So I grew up with my dad coming, I think it was basically like every Sunday for a little bit. And it was very, very weird um, where I would, and I just knew that was what it was. So like I would go to my buddy's house and they'd have a mom and dad and they both came home from work, you know, and things like that. And I thought that was weird. I was like, well, you have two people here. Well, I don't get it. Like, it was just weird to me just because of the way I grew up and I had aunts and uncles that they were married, but it was still just for some reason, I never really absorbed into my head of, yeah, it's mom, dad, come home. Hey, how's it going? Kiss on the cheek. How was your day at work? Blah, blah, blah. And so dad was kind of around on, you know, he'd come in on Sundays and then he would have these like dry spells where all of a sudden you wouldn't see him or hear from him for like six months. And mm. so I just thought that was normal. And then in high school, that would happen. Middle school, that happened. And then like my senior year in high school, and this is where I started to really realize that my dad was maybe just a little off his rocker because he was, I was raised always that, okay, you're going to go to UCLA. You're going to go to UCLA. You're going to go to UCLA for college. Okay. And I, I honestly didn't even know until I think my junior year in high school that you did not have to go to college. Cause I, I, I thought you just went from sixth grade to seventh grade, to eighth grade to high school to college. I didn't know you could, okay, you could become a worker or you could go travel the world. And so I remember getting recruited by UCLA and telling him, Hey, I'm going to UCLA. Cause that was like his dream school. And he said, okay. And I remember thinking, dude, this is like kind of a big deal. You should be doing cartwheels or something. And there was no reaction at all. And I was like, this is just odd, man, just odd. And my mom kind of talked me off the ledge a little bit. She was, she was great. Still is great. Um, but it was weird to see that, but that's when I had to start realizing I can only do so much. Okay. This was kind of like his thing. He wanted UCLA. I wanted UCLA too, because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any different. And when I got to UCLA, he was kind of in there and out there. Then then was gone again. And then the final straw, I'm, I'm giving you a cliff notes version. We could dive in as deep as you want, daddy. Um, the, the, the final straw was when I got married uh, to my second wife. And we were having a kid. I didn't invite him to that wedding because it was already, you know, weird. And we were having a kid, my youngest, 11, Damon Dale. And I remember calling him and saying, hey, just a heads up, Jolie, my wife, is pregnant. Okay. And I remember I was driving and my wife was in the car and it was very weird because it was really quiet, which is fine. And he said, okay. And I said, so do you want to maybe come out here? I'll go out there because I live in northern Idaho. I think he lives in northern California right now. And he was, no, 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 no. And I said, so you, and right at this point, my level starting to pump up because now I'm going from sad to pissed. Like, mm -hmm. dude, you're, you're having a grandkid, you know, a grandchild. What, what are you doing here? And so I said, so what, what do you want here, man? What do you want, Larry? And he said, you just pretend, tell, tell him that he doesn't have a grandfather and that I'm dead. And I was like, Dude, that is just so, I remember thinking in my head, like, it's so odd. And like, I didn't even think, like, I, it, went, it was so weird because I went from sad to angry to now back to sad, but not for me, but for him. 
Cause mm-hmm. like, dude, you're missing out here, man. And I'm willing to, you know, whatever bygones be bygones, whatever the hell the saying is, and just kind of go with it. And he was just like, no, just tell him I'm not here. Okay. And so that's what I did. Wow. Okay. It's interesting how our parents can affect us even long when we're adults. You Because you can always think when you're a kid, that's when we kind of soak up a lot of the stuff, the emotion, how we deal with life. But you're always your child, your parents' child. And they can always, and nobody can hurt you like family. So I know that didn't feel good. But that leads me to this question. So dad wasn't around in the home. Can you think about how being raised by your mom affected your masculinity? Oh, 100%. It, it was one of those that it was different, but I always had male figures that could drive me and that almost put the fear in me. And I think that's what a lot of young boys slash men need is that they obviously need a male figure. We got that. that that's an established fact. There, there's no arguing on that. If you want to argue, we can argue all day long. I don't care. But you, if, if you don't have one in the home, you have to have someone, some male that is going to be able to, you have to learn to emulate. You have to learn to, this is the right, this is the wrong. And honestly, I, I think, in my opinion, it's someone that's got to put almost the fear of God in you. Like, I knew that if I made a mistake, all hell is coming. And, the, you know, there's certain men that were going to do that because I remember at certain points becoming bigger and stronger and more powerful than my mom and thinking to myself, well, I, she can't control me anymore, you know, but it's there's always someone that you look at, well, that that dude can. And, you know, I'm going to get my ass handed to me if I mess up. Okay, I hear you. The next letter in the word prizes are the word is resilience defined as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. Can you think of a situation, something that happened in your life, wherever, whenever, where you discovered you had resilience that you didn't know you had? Well, yeah, I I would say, honestly, it was that story when I was driving home with my wife and pregnant she was pregnant with my our, my youngest son and i remember thinking you know how i went from sad that oh i don't have a dad to angry like dude what are you doing to mm-hmm. sad for him and i think that was the part where i became resilient to where I'm, I'm just not gonna let this impact me anymore it's one of those things that sadly for him and and for me and my kids probably is that i i don't even think about it anymore i and it's almost like he is dead to me which is not a good thing and I'm probably some psychologist probably licking their chops on it. But it's one of those things where I just look and I'm like, I honestly forget that I have a dad. And I honestly don't even know if he's still around or anything like that. Um, but it's one of those things where I, I don't know if it's a defense mechanism or it's one of those things where I just kind of it's, it's milk is spilled. You know, there's nothing more that I can do. It's It's out of my control. And it's something that I've tried my best to make work. And there's only so much a human being can do. If I can't do any more, then what am I doing? I'm just ramming my head against the wall at this point. From that experience, what have you taken specifically for you as a dad? How does the dad you had affect the dad that you are now? I try to do exactly the opposite. I try to be for my kids at all times, no matter what the situation. Number one, and obviously no one's perfect. I could do better. Um, and it's not exactly easy. I have one son who plays football at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And then I have one that plays at WSU, uh, Washington State, which is about 30 miles north of me. So, I've, And then I have one that's an 11-year-old who's just an 11-year-old having a good time. So it's one of those you can't be there for all three of them at the same time. It's just impossible. But you try to be there as much as you can. And with technology, it's obviously a lot easier than it would have been back in the day with FaceTime and texting and calls and all that good stuff. So I'm in communication with all three of them literally daily. Um, some even more than that hourly, depending on the football season and stuff like that. But it's, it's one of those where I always think to myself, how, if I was going to build a dad, how would I do it? And I think, okay, I got to be stern because Kids need that. They need someone who's going to, okay, I'll give you that look where it's all hell's coming, you know, and I'm coming with it, but I'll also be the, the touchy feely. 
huggable. Come here. You, you, you know, it's one of those, you skinned your knee. Come here. Let me put a bandaid on it. Let me kiss it. That's good. Now, now go. You're fine. And my, my, I get in trouble with that a lot because my, I'm such a bottom line guy on, the, on my show, The Rubio Method. The last segment's called The Bottom Line because I'm, and I get in trouble with it all the time for my wife because she always says, you, you need to have a little bit more fluff. And I'm like, I, I can't. It's it's over. Let's done. Okay. You skinned your knee, kiss it. You're all right, Damon. Yeah, good. Here, go, go, go. I don't want to hear it. You're fine. And that, that's the fine line that I'm still trying to work on of being a little bit more, let's say sensitive. Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh <laughs> to emotions and being a little bit more patient. And I, I think it's one of those things that with in my it with me at least. The people that are closest to me, I have the least patience for because I expect more out of them. It's like, dude, how, how are you not getting this? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I've said it 15 times. What, do you, what are you not grasping? And I know that's my that's probably my biggest fault is that the, the lack I have for – lack of patience I have for those closest to me just because I expect so much from them. Understood. I literally had a conversation with my – and I have four kids. I have one son, three daughters. Oh, good God. And I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I had a conversation with one of them about expectation and it was just the weirdest thing. But but one thing that I'm working on is, and I, for me, I refer to it as intimacy. And when you hear intimacy, you think one thing. You think, um, I guess, romantic love type of thing. But the kind of connection that you have with your kids, there's an intimate kind of connection. I have an 18-year-old son and me hugging him, giving him a kiss, that kind of stuff, is still kind of foreign but so necessary. Mm -hmm. He should feel comfortable getting a hug and a kiss from his dad, stuff like that. It shouldn't feel weird to him so that he doesn't take that into the world. So I hear you when you're talking about that, you want to do it because, you know, hug kids, all right, you're bleeding, but you'll be fine. Go over there <laughs> and you keep it, you just keep it moving. But mm -hmm. it's all a work in progress. And that's one thing. I talk to a lot of dads. And one thing that I love that I think it's really interesting is that if you have a really good friend, a good friend can tell you the kind of person that you are, but your kids will show you the kind of person that you are. For me, my kids, when I send them out into the world, they're my, they're my agent. That's me. I'm sending mm -hmm. myself out there as a younger person. And when everybody meets them, they're respectful. They're nice. They know how to handle trauma. They know how to handle difficult situations. If you send out good people into the world, I think to a degree means the kind of person that you are. I think that means you're a good person too. I take the whole dad thing really seriously because I'm a stay-at-home dad. Mm -hmm. So I love I love the dad talk. I'll go into that all day, but you don't have that kind of time. But <laughs> <laughs> we will skip the I in the word prize. The next letter is Z. The word is zeal. Enthusiastic devotion. What are you enthusiastically devoted to? And just to put a spin on it, that doesn't have to do with your job or your family what else Ooh. are you devoted to yeah because obviously everyone's going to say their kids and their family or their job um mm -hmm. i would say what am i devoted to honestly i'm, I'm devoted to you know basically ha having a good time i know that sounds kind of weird and 18 18 year oldish but it's just like I, I want to have a good time no matter where i'm at and it's i love going into situations where things don't work out well, because it's, it, if it doesn't work out, it becomes a story to me. And, you know, and some of the funniest stories I, I, I tell, whether it's on my show or just to my friends and family or things that were a bad, bad situation where something just the wheels came off, all hell breaks loose. And it, it just turns out to be a good, because you can look at any situation in life. I can give you a, you know, a trash can full of gold. And you could say, wow, thanks for the trash can full of gold. Or you could say, Jesus, now I got to lift this trash can full of gold. You know how heavy this is? And that's one of those things where I, I'm, I'm a, I have basically like a triple motto of life. Number one, there's winners and losers in life. No matter what you do, you're, you're going to be a winner or loser. I tell my kids all, all the time, accept and embrace. You just got to accept it and embrace it. If you don't, well, then you're going to have some troubles in life because every it's not going away. And the last thing is um, everything happens for a reason. And I, I'm a huge, huge believer in that. If, if that everything happens for a reason, and if it's a good or it's a bad, or there's, there's usually a reason to it happening. Like, why did it happen? Okay, yeah, you, you, you stepped, you messed around with a beehive and you get stung. That, that's what that's what happens, man. You'll learn, you'll learn from that mistake, or you won't. And then if you don't, you're an idiot and you just enjoy being stung. 
So that's one of those things where I always tell my kids, you know, everything happens for a reason, accept and embrace. And there's winners and losers in life. And that that's, that's the way I want to go through life. That's, that's the, I want to have a good time, but I want to experience life. And I, I grew up a non traveler. I don't think I, th I went on a flight the first time when I was two years old, obviously don't remember that. And then I don't think I went on a flight until I was in eighth grade, just um, to Hawaii. And then when I got into college, I had to fly all the time. And now I'm a, a big, bigger traveler. Obviously the Rona killed that for about two years, but I, I love going and seeing new things. I love talking to different people. And I, that's why I love, I think, gets me into trouble sometimes. I love to argue with people because I want to hear why, why you think that or what you're doing or, you know, anytime I find someone different than me, I'll ask a billion questions and my friends hate it because I'm not a mechanical guy at all, like literally nothing. And they'll be doing something and I'll watch it. I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking. They're like, dude, Rubio, shut up. And I'm like, I, I got to learn here. I want to learn. And that's why if, if I'm around someone who's a different religion or something like that, I, I'll ask a billion questions just because I want to learn more and more and more and just kind of get out there and just absorb it all. I'm not going to maybe, you know, understand it all, but at least I want to know what what's going through your mind, dude. Like, why are you thinking that? You know, you, you like olives on pizza. Tell me why you like olives on pizza. Cause I don't like olives and I'll tell you why I don't like olives. Cause they're too salty. They look like if I was chewing on a killer whale, it's rubbery, black and salty. That's why I don't want that. Okay. But it's one of those things where I just like to learn and I like to argue. So I, I, I that was a long answer. To that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'll take it. The last letter in the word prize. We'll go right to the end. The letters E the word is expectation. Expectation is defined as a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. I have, I usually ask it one way, but I'm gonna ask something different. What do you expect from your show in the next year and in the next five years? Where's your show gonna be? Is it gonna be different? Is it gonna be the same? Are there things you wanna do that you aren't doing now? Talk about where you plan on being with your show. Well, uh, when, and you're on it as well. When we, I was asked to get on the NGBN.TV network, it was one of those things. Okay, we're going to kind of go with it. I want you to talk. You have the ability to talk. You can tell a good story. You can get people to learn without realizing they're learning. I want to kind of focus it on men's health. And I didn't know this at the time, but I was the first one. And I was kind of like the beta test. Like, hey, let's just have Rubio started. He, he'll talk and he go. And we're on episode 15 now. And the first episode, the 15th episode, six months later, they're completely different. I mean, they're still kind of the same format but it's becoming a little bit different, you know, just like in anything in life, you're going to adjust. So I see it growing. I see it becoming more of more than a bi-weekly thing. So more instead of every two weeks, maybe a little bit more, um, not maybe weekly, maybe daily, who knows? And just being able to communicate with more people. And that's what I, what I really want is I want to the world. And I think this is really, really lacking in the world right now. I want to be able to have conversations that I do not agree with and people to see it and then people to understand that we're not going to kill each other. Okay. So I can lean one way. You can lean the other. We can argue, but at the end, high five, knuckles, hug, do what you got to do. And we're okay. You could think I'm an ass. I could think you're an ass, but that's okay. The world needs asses too. And it's just one of those things that just because I believe one way and you believe the other doesn't mean that I'm right or you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong. It's okay to have different opinions. So I see the show growing and getting on more to that angle of lear people learning. And like you talked about at the beginning, of being able to speak, just being able to speak and not only to speak your opinion, but also to hear another opinion. And that's where dudes get so wrong is that they grew up where you can't speak, you can't cry, you can't do this, you can't do that. Why, why not? Why? I don't. There's not a rule. Okay, everyone's different, and I think everyone needs to realize that it, being different is okay as long as you can explain it. You're not hurting anyone, killing puppies, or doing something like that. He's just like, why? Why not? Just be a little different, but just explain yourself and learn how to have a conversation with someone that you do not agree with. I like that. I've I've always liked that ideology. As a black man, though, there's limits to that. There's, I can disagree with you on political, on your political stance, fine. You could be a socialist, I could be a communist, whatever. Marxist, you could be whatever. There's beliefs, and then there's beliefs that affect me on a life level. 
There are mm-hmm. things that happen to me where I can get hurt and somebody will believe that that's okay. That's an that's not to me that's not an argument. That's a discussion. And we can believe different things, but there's certain things that what you believe is wrong. The way that being treated, it's a human rights thing. Stuff like that is wrong. I will have discussions with people all the time. My me and my wife, we don't really agree that much politically. So my wife doesn't agree with some of the stuff and I find that interesting, but there's just some ish that happens that kind of is highlighted these days that isn't politics that we call politics. Mm-hmm. And I like conversations like that, but it gets to a limit where you're saying something that happens to me, but that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. But my, but my and, thought on that would be, but my thought on that would be, I agree with you, but mm-hmm. I would also think to myself, there's always going to be an asshole. There's always going to be that person. So why not? And that's why the whole free speech thing, I love free speech. Talk all you want. And the dumber you are, the more I want you to talk because then mm-hmm. I can show my kids, that's an idiot. See how this person's talking? The, mm-hmm. Let me explain to you why they're an idiot. If you don't agree with yeah. me, that's fine. Here's mm-hmm. my take on why this person's an idiot. So if you think black, yellow, brown is wrong, I'm going to tell you why I think you're incorrect. And if they're going to tell me, well, I this is why I am correct, I'm going to let it soak in and say, okay, yep. you have your belief. You're an idiot, and that's fine. I just know that you're a person that I don't associate with. So believe all you want. I don't give two craps. I just know for future reference, you're an ass, and I don't have to talk to you anymore because you believe X, Y, Z, and I don't, but that's fine. Keep talking. Mm-hmm. You just make yourself look like a bigger ass. So that it's one of those things that I'm just not a big – yeah, I just, I just, I want people to talk more. I honestly do, I and, and, I, and and I, I want people to talk more and and voice their opinions because then that opens up my eyes to, dude, I like this guy, I like this girl, I can hang out with this person, I, I, I want to have some drinks with him, I want to break bread, or I can see this person. This dude's just a moron. Like they're they're literally someone that I can't even talk to because they're just too dumb for me to even speak to because it's lower in my brain part because they can't even grasp the concepts that I'm talking about. I can tell them the sky is blue all day long and they're looking up and go, looks red to me. You're an idiot. I don't I don't have time for you. I, I move past you. I go to talk to Harvey. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I, I make it a, a conscious effort when I talk to my kids to have conversations with them. Mm-hmm. As parents, sometimes we just do this, go do this. But I like they they're sick of my voice. <laughs> I'm just because I talk I have conversations. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't lead to anything. But t- sometimes for me, the conversation is really the point. So I agree with you sometimes just talking. I want kids who are literate and who can explain themselves good or bad. You should be able to tell somebody how you feel and what's going on. So I'm oh, with a- absolutely. You on that. I, I remember one time, no, just a side story going on what you were just talking about. My mm-hmm. middle son wanted an Xbox or Wii or PlayStation, whatever the hell the game, the recent thing was. And I remember he was like 13 or 14. I said, why? And he says, well, because I want it. I go, that's not a reason. I go, that's that a reason. It's a terrible reason. I go, you give me three good reasons and I'll get it for you. And he's like, it's fun. My friends like it and I want it. I go, terrible. Come back in a week and maybe we'll talk. I go, that's not, you're, you're not even a good arguer. I go, when you learn how to debate and talk, we'll talk. I go, but right now you sound like a child. And my, that's where I get my, my wife gets mad and be like, you can't talk to a 14 year old like that. I go, yes, I can. Why not? And he's got to learn. Like he, I, you, if you want something, learn how to get it. And so we went back and forth. And finally, after about, I'd say about three or four weeks, he came back and he had basically like a page written up. Here's the three reasons why I, I need the Wii PlayStation mm-hmm. Xbox, whatever the hell it was. And I was mm-hmm. like, you got it. Let's go. And he, he argued his case. And it, it, I mean, they were still just like, it, and he 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 kneel he let he leaned into it. Well, you know we could have more family time around this. And I, was like, I was like, damn it, that's a good one. <laughs> but he, I I I want like just like you, I want my kids to learn how to speak because, as you know, in in the workforce, no matter in real life, the better you can speak and communicate with people, and the better personality you have, the better you're going to be off in life. It's just one of those things. Right now, if I was hiring someone. Yes, I'd look at their resume, make sure they're not drooling out and all that good stuff. But then I want to sit down and talk to them. Okay, what, what do you got? I graduated from Harvard. Great. How do you speak to people? Uh, uh, you know, how, wh- how do you think? How quickly do you think? I remember when I was teaching, I, it was very funny to me. Uh, you know, I was 20, 22 years old, 23, got into teaching. I'm sitting there and I actually taught at the school that I went to. So some of the teachers that I was around teaching with taught me. 
which was very weird. And I remember looking around, we'd have these meetings and I noticed that the people with the most degrees, a lot of times were the dumbest. And it, it drove me wild. Like I was like, how is this possible? But they didn't know how to communicate. And someone who, like myself, who could just talk and talk and talk, and I was a history teacher, so I was just basically telling stories all damn day, I was a little bit more effective with the kids at that time. That's interesting. That's interesting. I like that. The final letter, the middle letter in the word prize is I. And for this, I don't associate it with the word. I associate it with the man I'm speaking to. So if we can take all the shackles off of you, which means when you're not a father, husband, coach, podcast host, employee, best friend, um, arguer, all the stuff that you do, if we put all that stuff to the side and we are, we are just talking to Rubio, Rubio at your core, when all that other stuff is gone, who are you? I would say it just goes back to I'm someone who wants to have a good time. I want to talk to a lot of people and I do not want to be stagnant. I cannot stand that. That's one of the, my biggest thing. Ironically, my biggest complaints in life is people that complain and people that are just stagnant. Like you have to keep moving forward. I don't care what the hell you're doing. If you're a librarian, be the best damn librarian ever. If you're a podcaster, if you're doing the same exact thing over and over and over and you're not getting views, there's a reason for that, okay? If you're a long stepping coach, if you're just a person, if you're the person with just one friend your entire life, and that's a great friend, that's wonderful, but are you really advancing? Are, are you hearing other people? If you just sit in your home all day long and you never, ever, ever, ever travel, you have to be able to see other things so you understand how the world works. And I'm not saying that you got to go to the most expensive place. You don't have to go to Abu Dhabi or whatever it is. You, but you got to just go around to look at certain things. And you can go to certain places. Like I went to London or wherever it was. Yeah, London. And I was like, okay, I don't ever need to come back here. The food's terrible. And it was just one of those things that I'm out. I'm just not going back there. Just because I didn't like the food. And it just, it honestly, it kind of looked just like Idaho to me. I mean, yeah, Big Ben and all that good stuff. But it's one of those things that I don't need to see it again. But then I went to St. Thomas and I loved St. Thomas. And it was like, I go back there. That's I'll do that. No, no problem. But if I didn't ever go to these places, I would never know. Yeah. It looks great on the web and all that good stuff, but not being stagnant, keep moving forward and just, just having a good time, man. Okay. All right. Thanks for answering the questions in the prize mantra. I appreciate that. I got a few more. What are you afraid of? that you can not control? Uh, my children's health. I had a very, very big scare with my youngest son where he had to be basically, well, not basically he did, get life flighted to Seattle. Like where I live in Lewiston, it's a smaller town, 30,000 people. I don't think there's that many people. And we always say, if something's wrong with your kid, you go here. If something's really wrong with your kid, you got to go to Spokane, Washington, which is about two hours away. And if something's really wrong with your kid, they take him to Seattle. That's when you all, we're at a code red at that point. And we did the whole Lewiston thing. And then we went to Spokane. And then they, my wife was freaking out because this was a 24-hour saga. They thought he had jaundice, but all hell was breaking loose. And they and I kept telling my wife, I'm trying to be the, the, the adult, the male, the husband, the father figure. Everything's fine, Jolie. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't stress. Don't worry. It, we're still in Spokane. If, it, if if the shit really hit the fan, man, they they they, they say you got to go to Seattle. Not five minutes later. Yeah, we're we're life flight, you guys to Seattle. And I was like, mm. and I, I still get torn up about it because I was like, because I, you know, you're supposed to be the the one. And I remember going, oh Jesus, this is it. Like this is a code red. And my wife loses it, and they can only take one person in the plane. So I go on the plane and I'm looking at my kid. He's like two, three years old and he's tubed up and all this crap. And he's on this gurney. I'm like, holy shit, this is real. And so we get there and everything turned out well. He um, had a liver disease and it fixed itself. They it literally, they called it, even the doctors. He was the free, he was number one on the donor list. He got out of that. Even the doctors said it was, they call it an OGK um fix only god knows because they have they had no idea how it happened he went from white blood cells were bad or good or whatever you know high or low whatever the bad one is to literally they flipped and they there we, we we don't even as doctors and there was like 20 of them working on him because he was the youngest kid ever to have this issue 
They go, we don't even know. Just you're, you're going to be fine. And he was part of a case study and now he's a healthy six, six, uh, sixth grader. But that would, that the health of my kids where I cannot control that. And it's still every once in a while, just that's why I, I try to be as much of a father in their life. That makes sense to try oh, yeah. to be there for them as much as I can, even if I'm 1200 miles away or right next door, because I know that it can be gone. I remember that feeling when I watched and I've watched several of my kids come into this world, but there's a level of, I'm going to be dad, going to take care of my kids. But it's a powerful feeling to know that you've helped create a child, but at the same time, kind of a helpless feeling, knowing that you, we can't do anything up until they come into the world. It's really up to the woman, to your wife. And I'm just watching her do this. And yeah. a big man hear me do absolutely nothing because until this baby he's born, I can't do a thing. Yeah, it's 100%, 100%. It's so interesting. What, what a bit, yeah, watching birth and seeing your child come to the world has an incredible effect on you. But I'm glad to hear that your son's okay. Yeah. Is he good? Is he, does he like, does he play sports? Does he like to? Oh, yeah. He's, he, yeah, he's, he's all into the sports. He's, he's a typical 11 year old. He's just having a good time, enjoying life. And he can play, it won't affect him because you said it's liver. Is he going to be? Yeah, able to do no, it, it's time? his liver was going, he was going to get a transplant. We were literally four hours from it happening. And then they okay. had to do one more blood test. And then all of a sudden the numbers didn't go worse. They were always jumping worse, worse, worse. Then all of a sudden they, boom, they stayed at whatever number it was. I can't remember. And they're like, okay, this is not good news, but it's not bad news. We just kind of wait a little bit. And then every another, I think an hour, they did another one and it went down. And I was like, mm. still just, we're not out of the clear yet. And then we had to stay, I think it was a month and a half or something in Seattle. And mm. it was just uh so just wild, wild time. But yeah, after he was part of the case study, they would contact us every couple months, talking on the phone, doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then I think probably about four or five years ago, they said, all right, he, you officially don't even have to tell your doctor anymore. It's done. He, he, it's cleared. And so we we're like, Whoo, okay, that was we survived that one. But that, that was, that was, that was a rough, rough, rough time, man. I mean, you want to talk about being pushed the limit. I remember, you know, one time we were bathing him and he's, you know, he's, he, he's, he was walking and all that crap. So I, he's got to be two or three. I can't remember exactly. I kind of walked it out, but I remember bathing him and he was just all poked and prodded up and I just lost it in the hospital. And my wife was like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is good. This is it. Like, this is what's going to happen for the rest of his life. And I just, I could, I had to take the whole man cape off and just, woo, just be vulnerable as they say, but it, it, it was good. You know, it's when it's one of those things like it, the bad created the good. So I always talk about, you know, how like, yeah, everything happened for a reason, but now we're, we're happy about it. You know, it's, it's a great story. We've talked to other people about it, you know, and it, it made us better him better. We, I, I don't want to say I appreciate him more, but you know, it's one of those things you look at him every day and you just, all right, dude, you're here. Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I oh yeah. I appreciate a good word. You look at your child and like, there's a possibility. I may not be seeing you. So, you know, you give them that extra hug. Because you oh, appreciate absolutely. how fleeting, how fleeting life can really be. Um, what are you afraid of that you can control? Uh, I would be afraid of like I think like I said, being complacent, being stagnant. I would be afraid of not progressing. Like if I'm doing the exact same thing at the exact same level that I'm doing right now, that would be a problem for me. I, I don't want to be that guy. I, if, if I look back in five years from now and come back and like, okay, you're doing the exact same thing with the same amount of views, the same amount of instructors, the same amount of speaking gigs, that would bother me. Like, why, why have I not kept growing? Why, why, have I, why have I not advanced? So that would be something that I can control, you know, and it's, it's one of those things, just get off your ass and do it. But making sure that I don't become complacent, stagnant. Okay. Last question. So I've talked to a lot of men and there's a few things that we men don't truly recognize. And I think one of them is value, value for ourselves, how we value ourselves, how important we are. And it kind of comes to when I ask them, what do you do for yourself? What do you do? That's not work. That's, let's just say for you, it's not the Rubio method. It's not the long snapping teeth. What do you do when life is crazy? For example, what would you have done? Your son's okay. 
stress of the world. You still got to take care of this family, but you're sitting here, you're watching your son. He's going through all this crap, stress. Your wife is freaking out. And usually you'd be the one to be the strong one, but you can't. And it's all this crap is going on. What do you do for you, for you, to relieve the stress for a while? How do you self-soothe? What does Chris do to make himself feel better for an hour before he has to go back into the world because stress is crazy? It's a good question. And honestly, I don't, I don't know if I have the answer. And I think that's one of the things that has made me successful, but also hindered me a little bit is that I don't know how to turn off my mind a lot of times. So like, say I'm at, in St. Thomas with my wife and we're on the beach relaxing. Very hard for me to do that. Just to sit down, toes in the sand, you know, drinking my hand, doing whatever, and just, boom, just turn it off. Very, very hard for me to do that. So I, I think that, that would be one where I never even tried to read books on it. Like, dude, how do you, how do you relax? How do you chill? Because I'm one of those guys that when I wake up, I'm like this and I'm already moving. I'm thinking about 12 things that I need to do or can do. And I'm also one of those guys that if I'm doing one thing, I cannot be thinking about another or doing another as well. So if I'm working, I got to be listening to a podcast or if I'm watching a podcast, I've got to be making lunch or something like that. And I think that's probably the thing that I need to work on the most and sort of the answer to your question. Probably. I, I don't know. And I, it, it's, that's not a good thing. Yeah. I probably shouldn't lean into it a little bit more. But it, it'd be you one of there. those where I just, I, I like to, you know, it, if I could do more, probably just hang out with friends and family. I, I'm big on that. You know, just relax, sit down, have a drink or two and just tell stories. I, I like to see people laugh and I like to tell stories as long as my wife's not cutting me off halfway through because she always does that. <laughs> I call her the thunder stealer because I'm, I'm telling this story. I'm weaving my way through it. And then all of a sudden, boom, she comes in with the, the punchline. I'm like, Jesus, come on. And then she'll and she and she'll do it and she'll do it incorrectly. I'm like, not only did you you thunder stole, then you you killed it too. You didn't even do it correctly. Oh my god! Oh no! <laughs> um, I know. I like the answer. I have. I have one. Taking out your wife and family. I'm gonna just give you a little backdrop for this first. Men have so much to say. We don't always do it. That's why so many more men attempt suicide because all this going on and we don't know how to get it out and we feel hopelessness and loss and depression and all this stuff because we don't tell people what's going on. Excluding the people I mentioned, do you have a friend, a person in this world who if you picked up the phone and called them, I did some dumbish, stupid, I don't know why I did it. Could you call somebody, tell them what happened? They listen to you, be like, yeah, Rubio, that was dumb. What were you doing to give you some honest, constructive criticism, but you'd feel comfortable enough saying it to this person and knowing that call is done, that you released that energy safely to somebody? Do you have somebody you trust that much in the world that is not the typical people as wife, parent, family? No, but you'll like my answer. I don't have one. I have many. I have many for different avenues of my life where the people that are closest to me and everyone has their acquaintances and then you have your friends, and then you have your family and then you have friends and family. The people that are closest to me that are my friends, they know me. They know I'm a very, very bottom line guy. They know I'm the guy that kind of likes to poke the bear a little bit. Okay. We're going to, I want to get, start an argument just because I want to see where you're going to go with it. And so they know that I'm famous for it. Don't, don't give me any fluff. Just the bottom line. I used to have a, someone, who would always say, can I be honest with you? And I'd say, so what, you, you've been dishonest to me the entire time? I go, I don't have time for this. G give me, I go, don't give me your version. Give me the Rubio version. Just bottom line it, yes or no, okay? And it's one of those, the, the, my, the, the closest friends to me, they know that about me, so they know exactly where I would be coming from. And so they would, done, bottom line. So it, yeah, I would say I have many, many, many people. And those that are closest to me know that. That's good. That's good. I asked. I've asked that question a lot, maybe towards the you know middle of this season and such. And a lot of men didn't have that. We have acquaintances. There's people I know, but there's very people I know like that mm -hmm. to tell them stuff. So it's getting better when I talk to men that you know what I got somebody to talk to. I have an actual person to hear that because we need it.
It's incredibly important. Well, well, and how many of those people, how many of those men do you think know they or think they don't have one, but they actually do? And they're just afraid to maybe ask a question because, you know, oh, my, you know, my kids having troubles with this or I'm doing that. And they're they're afraid that they're going to either get laughed at or, you know, it's going to be uh, they're going to mock you. I mean, I've had several friends where I knew they were a tougher exterior and they called with. So my kid did this. And I think, like I said, it gets me into trouble sometimes, but it does help because they wanted my opinion of he's not going to sugarcoat it. It's just, yeah, your kid made a mistake. He's an ass, but he's 14. Every kid's an ass at 14. They're, they're going to have their hiccups. All right. So now here's the point where you either need to fix your kid or he's going to continue towards asshole And we don't want him to go down that cave of being an ass. Yeah. Excuse me a second. I need to write that word down. I believe <laughs> asshole <laughs> but yeah and that's one of those and that you know you everyone has those moments in life where you look at it and it's like as a dad okay this is one of those moments where i got to take the right road or i got to take the left road and figure out if i don't do something here he's going towards asseldom and he's gonna he's gonna go full speed that way and it, once he goes towards the road road of asseldom it's hard to pull that dude back okay i hear you i hear you i will say though is if the, if I don't know I have that person, honestly, do I have that person? For me, I need to feel like there's got to be somebody I feel safe enough with. And if I don't think I have somebody I feel safe enough with to talk about it, I think literally or superficially that I don't have that person. I need to know it. I shouldn't. I need to know that to my core that there 100%. is that person. But, but that's that's your problem. That that's a thing. It's not that dude. It's not Johnny's problem. Say Johnny's your friend. We're talking about. It's right. not his problem. He could be dropping every damn hit in the book. But if mm -hmm. you're not figuring it out, then you have to, someone's got to tell you, or if you got to figure it out of, dude, you can talk to Johnny. He doesn't give a shit about you. Like, it, 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 he doesn't give a shit that you have mean. this issue. I know what you mean. Okay? Right. He mm -hmm. just, he's willing to listen. You just got to talk. You know, it's one of those things. So I think it's got to come back. And at some point, you got to figure it out. Right, right. Yeah, and once you do, I think, when you can lift the weight off your shoulders and have a person to talk to or have something to do to make you feel better during the stressful times, you just end up being a better person in general. Oh, 100%. Um, and it just bleeds yeah. on other people. Definitely. And on to that, I feel like that's a good segue. By the way, thanks for answering the rest of those questions. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Um, now, you kind of mentioned something that we are part of NGBN and you were the first. So tell us about your show. Tell us about, you know, this, um, how you joined the NGBN TV family. Give us what you can about it. This is a good introduction for the people hearing yeah. about it for the first time. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so basically, I was contacted by Ian Hill. He owns the NGBN.TV network, starting this basically a, a show about men's health and wanted me, or a network about men's health. So now I think we have, you're going to have to help me out on this, Harvey. I want to think like nine shows. Yeah. Probably it's right around there. Yeah. And yeah, we're the, the, the good thing about the NGBN network is that not every show is the same. Your show is going to be presented one way. My show is going to be presented another way. Charles is going to be one way. Bud is going to be another way. Chris Fontana is going to be another way. Chris Bentley. Ruda is going to be out in Portugal. Doc Connor is going to be in Ireland. And so I always think of it as like as a, as a big salad. And you can mix it all up to get the NGBN network. But you can still just pick out the tomato. You can pick out this piece of lettuce. You can pick out this crouton. You can pick out, why did I say crouton like that? Cr crouton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden I went British for a second. And, you know, and it's one of those things that you can kind of pick and choose because some people that like my show where it's a little bit more brutal and blunt and it can be fluffy, but it's a little bit more in your face, they might not like it. And that's fine. Go talk to uh, Ruta. You might like the way she's talking out in Portugal, or you might like the way Bud Masters is doing in sports of gibberish. Okay, the bare essentials with Charles Wallace, where he's more boom, he's got like this, and that's okay. But we're all the whole salad of the NGBN network is going to fulfill the man, fulfill the men of nourishment of 40, 50, 60, 70 year old. The world's all hell's breaking loose in your mind. You might not even realize it, and I didn't until they started talking to me about it. And I started doing research, I was like, Jesus, I'm like 47 years old. I'll I really should start thinking about this. Am I have this affecting me? And I started thinking, well, yeah, it kind of does. This is one of those things where, hey, I'm getting close to retirement. My kids are, you know, two of them are out of the house. What do I do? Am I, what's going on here? And then you start to think about it. You start to talk about it. 
And that's what my show is all about is just talking. And I'm learning along with everyone else. I'm no expert. Uh, Trust me on this one. I got that on this at all. But I have an intro, answer some website questions that can be on anything. And then my co-host, his name is Nick Monahan. He has a minute with Monahan where he he's has some mental health issues and he's going through it. He's gone through it. And he gives us some tips. Just one minute. And then we have someone that we interview and it could be anyone from the CEO of Popeye's Chicken to a neurosociopsychologist in Ireland. And we, we kind of just go through them, talk to them, how their life experiences, because everyone's had ups and downs. And a lot of times it's just good to hear someone that also has been down and now is back up. And then the last segment is just the bottom line episode where, hey, here's three things that you should have learned without even realizing you learned them. And that's what the show is all about. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to learn along with you. So half the time I'm like, oh, that's what that means? I didn't even know that. And like, yeah, you should have known that. Okay, well, now I'm learning. I got it. You know, like I said, I just want to absorb as much crap as possible. The more I can learn, the better. And when I'm taking it in, I can start to realize I don't need to learn that as much. Boom, go over there. But that's okay. But that's the best part about the NGBN network is that there's so many pieces to the salad. And, you know, you're going to find something you like in that salad. Agreed. I like that description. When I was talking to Ian, he referred to it as a buffet. So just the bigger version of the salad. So talking about food. Invent you the same thing. All the same thing. There's a we have a good group of content creators talking about a lot of different things, all leading to the same journey, maybe nine, 10 different lanes, all leading to a really well-developed man, a man who recognizes himself, value is in a good space, understands that he's getting older, but is prepared for it. Yeah, so exactly. It's, and it's an amazing thing here. Um, one of the people you spoke about, Chris Fontana, who I was lucky enough, I, I talked with him. We're New Yorkers. We talk about pizza. You know, we got our stuff there going on. He's got his page. It's Girl Pri- the Go Primal Lifestyle. His story is so interesting. I can't wait to talk to him. I can't wait to get him here so mm-hmm. I can talk to him about what's going on. But I mentioned him because if you want to get clothes that say go primal 10% off, use my code, which is prize 10. You get 10% off all this stuff on goprimalusa.com. So make sure you hit that man's site, listen to his podcast, listen and watch all of the product of all the content that you will get on NGBN TV men's network. Thank you so much Rubio for getting on here and talk with me. I really appreciate it. I know I hopefully we'll get to do this again. Maybe I get lucky enough to talk with you and Monahan. We'll talk about some fun stuff in life. But I feel like we are about to jump on a really fun journey. We're about to do a lot of good things for men. And um, you were the third person from this group that I've had. The first person I had been even before I knew about this. So I had him a while back and he was great. And then, of course, Ian, that's the transformative one where Mm -hmm. afterwards we spoke about it and it led to this. We have a good group of people and I'm really glad that I'm going to get to talk to so many people. So. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Not a it. problem, man. Anytime. All right. Thank you to everyone who listened, who watched this podcast, whether you just started or you've been watching and supporting. Thank you for your time. This is the Men Are the Prize podcast where your inner monologue is revealed. Have a good week. Hi, it's Harvey here. Obviously, your host for Men Are the Prize. I hope you enjoyed watching or listening to that last episode. I just wanted to take a minute and tell you about something really exciting that's about to happen. Um, In about a month from when I'm recording this, January the 7th, I'm going to be a part of something fantastic. It is called Men Surviving to Thriving Virtual Conference. As you know, I am part of the NGBN.TV group. It is a space dedicated to issues for men 40, 50, and 60 years old, but also younger and older men too. So this conference is going to be amazing because one, like I mentioned, it's virtual, but what it's going to be is a space for your issues, your concerns, your struggles, everything that you deal with to be dealt with in a space just for you. This is a time for you to listen to all the great content providers besides myself who have gone through a lot of the issues that you have gone through. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to open up. We're going to be emotional. We're going to be vulnerable and we're going to give you tools to help you to make 2023 the best year of your life. This space is for you, for nobody else. 
When was the last time there was something, anything created, any event created for you, for your mental health? Well, that's what this is, the virtual men's conference. Like I said, January 7th is when it gets started. The link is in the comments. I want you to take a look and see everything that you're gonna get. It starts that day. It is, I believe, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's central time. You're gonna get a nice keynote speak and then you're gonna get a bunch of us content creators talking. So you're gonna get me, have a presentation. I'm gonna talk to you. We have other people gonna be talking to you. You can look through and find the person that resonates with you. And then you can listen in, you can learn and you can feel fulfilled and helped. So I want you to take a look at the link below. It is 179 for this event, but the discount of $20 you get if you use my code, which is prize 10. No dots in between, just the word prize, P-R-I-Z-E 10. And you can see everything that you get. And it's not just that day, not just that five hours. This goes past this, this goes for weeks. You get access to us and all of that content will be available for six months afterwards. So take a look at the link in the com in the comments. Sign up, use my code PRIZE10, you get a $20 discount. And I'll see you there with a lot of other great men who are gonna learn, who are gonna grow, who are gonna be better. And we're gonna have a fantastic 2023. And then we're gonna become the prizes that we're meant to be. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to the Men Are The Prize podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow Harvey on the gram at Men of Zealous Nature or on Twitter at Men Zealous. Have a great week and never forget, you are a man and you are the prize. <laughs>